All right. Hi, welcome to the Project 40 podcast. I'm so excited to be sitting here with um, one of my favorite astrologers, Lynn Bell, um, in Paris. Hi, Lynn. <laughs> I'm, so I'm sitting here with Lynn Bell in Paris. <laughs> on Skype. It's fantastic, isn't it? Shirley? It's amazing. I know, it feels like you're right here in the living room. <laughs> well, you were here recently. Yes, and it's great to be here, and it was great to see you in San Francisco as well. Yeah, it was, it was so great to see you here. Um, so, yeah, for people who are just, um, many people know who you are, but for people getting to know you, um, you know, maybe share a little bit about your background and your approach to astrology. Well, I've been an astrologer for a long time, and um, I live in Paris, and uh, was influenced uh, by French astrology when I came here and uh, hung out with the Dane Ruger group. But for the past 20 years, I've been teaching in London at the Center for Psychological Astrology, actually a bit longer than that, uh, which was the school founded by Liz Green, who's a Jungian analyst and um, astrologer, and uh, along with Howard Chispartis, some of you will know their books. They were very influential because yeah. they're the first people who really started working with mythic themes mm -hmm. and uh, a Jungian approach to the chart, you know, much more an approach of meaning than an approach of prediction. And um, because of that work, because of that collaboration, which fit my temperament, I wouldn't have been at the school if that hadn't been the case. It, a lot of my work deepened into themes that I pursue uh, when I'm interested, when I feel creative about something, I, I'll, I'll work, like I'm teaching this weekend a workshop on spellbreaking in London, for example. And these mm -hmm. themes come up, and um, I was in a place where there was a lot of support for that kind of work, and it was fantastic. And then I work with clients uh, when I'm home. I'm a consulting astrologer. I've written uh, two books, one on family patterns in astrology, one on solar returns, mm -hmm. um, which has been a very uh, important part of my work, and part of a book on Mars. Yes, so. the Mars Quartet, which I love. It's one of my Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an excellent it book. And the, the other ones are Planetary Threads. And what is the name of the solar return book? It's called Cycles of Life. It's Cycles of Life. It's out of print right now, so people will have to um, wait if they want a copy of it until I get it back into print. Oh, yeah. Soon. You do. Okay, great. Mm. Which is wonderful because we're right in the middle um, of this 40-day uh, uh, journey with the sun, actually. So I was like, I have to speak with you because you are the expert on the solar <laughs> returns. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's a funny thing because the idea of the sun's return – is the moment, it's the exact minute and second of the sun's position, which doesn't happen at the same time of day every year. Sometimes it even happens the day before or the day after your birthday. Right. But that moment, you look at where the sun is and the way it's connected with everything else in the sky, and it's if the sun is given a totally new set of possibilities. And in the solar return chart, um, there's a lot of detail that doesn't come up in other systems. Mm -hmm. So it's something that people do. When I moved to France, it was very common for people to come and have their solar return done on their birthday. And I'm sure everyone listening has had that experience on their birthday that something changes. You know, mm -hmm. it's like there's a little tuning fork and the whole quality of the year uh, comes in 
and you start to feel that something else is going to unfold in the next 12 months. And we do this symbolically at New Year's Eve, but on your personal birthday, it's something else again. Yeah. And one of the things I found in working with these charts is the way the the relationship between the sun and the moon cycles during a 19-year period. And I started to discover that a solar return wasn't just a chart for a year, but really part of something larger, and that you could understand that people were in a process. Mm -hmm. um, for example, when their moon was in a particular element, and when the moon was in that element, their life would redirect itself um, as if it's as if it's fulfilling itself through nurturing, um, for example, when your moon goes into air signs in the solar return, mm. suddenly you need to learn something new. You need more contact with other people, more exchange of ideas. Mm. Uh, it's a people phase. And often you have two to three years in a row with the moon in different air signs. Yeah. And so as that, so it's, these are patterns that I started to pull out as I worked with people over time. Because in the early days of my practice, people would come back and we'd review the year and we'd see how things worked, yes. uh, which months they happened, uh, etc. And so I kind of deepened my practice through those, through that process. Mm, fascinating. Yeah. And you notice, yeah, the, the cycles and the trends are so interesting. Yeah. Like with the air uh, sign, like the air sign moons was really a social time. And then with the water moons, obviously probably going deeper into the emotional realm or the unconscious. Yes, absolutely. And with the earth moons, it being time to put things into practice in a way to, to um, be pushed really to show what you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's when I had Earth Moons, actually, that I published my books. Uh, wow. so, so sort of very, very interesting uh, times. There's something that impels you from inside. and But there's more than that. There are a lot of repeating patterns, like the years when something you carry in your birth chart repeats in the sky, mm -hmm. and you see that, or mm -hmm. when... Um, this, you know, this might be a bit technical, but for example, let's say you have, mm, someone has Venus at 15 degrees of Pisces, mm -hmm. and ascendant on um, their solar return birthday is 15 year degrees of Pisces. Yes. So suddenly that would mean that it was Venus year, oh. even you couldn't see. Uh, even though Venus wasn't there, it's there on a symbolic level. So I started to see all these connections. And what's fascinating in solar returns yeah. is the sun is always the same, but the way the sun is connected to the rest of its world is different. Yes. It's always different. Yeah, it's in a completely different orientation, and it really does change the whole. It's like a completely different landscape that you're living in for that year. And you're the one that really you know, tune me into that from working with you with the solar returns. I hadn't realized how I always sort of thought they were just like an interesting snapshot of your year <laughs> Yeah. before I really sat down and delved into it with you. It's amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I, I always enjoy working with you and that experience of it as, as almost bringing a whole other layer. And sometimes, you know, what I've often said to people is that Sometimes in solar returns, you see things that can't really be seen in any other way. Mm -hmm. And um, it's mysterious. Uh, it is 
there it's it can be much more specific mm-hmm. uh more precise and of course in order to do a solar return i need to know the person and i need to know their birth chart mm-hmm. they don't exist separate yes. of the natal chart but as you work with a person over time they start to uh, give a kind of amplitude uh mm-hmm. to what a person yeah. is living yeah. Yeah, the yearly, like the yearly cycle, like a new chapter every year. I like the idea of thinking of it as like your personal new year. Yeah. And people, and here in France, people often say, oh, my birthday's coming up. It's time to come and see you. So some people have an annual ritual Ah, where they just see me for their birthday. And, you know, other people come at random times, but they're still interested. And, um, Mm -hmm. but it's a great thing to do as a ritual practice to come in and say, what is, my birthday year in what way what is the birthday year going to invite yes um, yes from me what is it going to invite me to step into and sometimes the solar return is very different from your natal chart and it's saying you are not going to be who you usually are this year you are going to step into new territory you're going to experience something that really might be a big change in Mm -hmm. the way you usually function for example someone who's quiet and introverted and um you know waits before they do things if they have an angular mars in the solar return it's 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 a little bit like someone's given them an extra engine and they have so much energy for Mm -hmm. action or for doing things or if they don't take it on that mars can manifest in different ways uh, in the outer world, uh, like bringing situations of conflict or um, uh, discomfort. But yeah. once you understand uh, that the chart is inviting you to step into something, uh, then you can cooperate right. with these charts. Right. And it's so nice to know so that you can you can see the potential also. Like it's such a beautiful ritual to start so that you can – it's, it's in a way allowing you to be very aware when those opportunities come in. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, sometimes people forget about it. And then they, uh, you know, had a, I was talking to someone recently who said she re-listened uh, mm. her birthdays in mm-hmm. January or late December. Oh, okay. And she said it was amazing because the timing and... Um, a lot of the things happen kind of scarily, precisely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sort of, and it's not really the goal of, yeah. of you know, and, you know, it's very interesting being a psychological astrologer because yeah. we know that there's this relationship between the inner and outer experience. Right. That what, what happens to us externally is reflecting something internally. And, you know, of course, there are circumstances where that's not true or, or not not so obvious but when you start to look at um at these patterns they make sense in a different way and i think the solar return is a great tool for looking at what a person's asked to grow into every year Mm. yes yes i love that it's true and it is that's why i also love the psychological approach because it does help to it, the the focus on the inside, the focus mm. on really understanding how we're constellating all of these archetypes and these experiences, depending on the level of consciousness inside too. So 
it's also, I think, taking into account when we're sitting down with the person. That's why you were saying, like, you have to know the person, know their their natal chart. Yeah, you you know the natal chart because because there's um, when you look at a solar return, you read it twice. You read, and this was something that James Ashelman said. He was a sidereal astrologer, and he said the first time you look at it as a chart on its own, and the second time you look at it in terms of the natal chart, and then it reveals itself a little bit ah, different. I love that. Um, you know, France was it has traditionally been a place where the solar return's been very important because mm. there was a guy named Alexandre Volguin <laughs> who wrote a that classic book, you know, that was in print for years and years and years. But it wasn't very psychological. Mm. And I think that's probably what I brought to it is a bigger viewpoint and bringing it back in mm-hmm. to the inner processes and again, making, giving meaning to some of the events or making sense. And sometimes you make sense after three years. Yes. You know, it's not, <laughs> you, a lot of events that happen to us, it's only with a little perspective to say, well, of course, how could I not have noticed? Uh, and, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, I know you, Shireen, are looking for that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, right. the way, it's the way you read the world archetypically, right. symbolically, uh, in this, you know, beautiful work on the... Uh, Project 40, the 40 days of the retrograde. And it'll be exciting going into this retrograde this year. The Venus. Yeah, how are you feeling about that? Do you have any insights on? Ah, do I have yeah, insights? Yeah, what do you, what do you um, kind of foresee? I was thinking about that in terms of your spell breaking. Do you, do you combine that with, I mean, when you talk about the spell breaking work, I know you talk a lot about Saturn being an important piece yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. No, but I think like Venus retrograde is really important in terms of um, those kind of love spells, uh, the emotional (laughs) patterning. And those are the ones we're the most familiar with. They're they're urgent, they're immediate, they're, you know, they're uh, immediately our thoughts turn in certain areas. But love spells can be of short duration as well. They're not, they're not often the long-term spells that we're carrying with us, you know, from our childhood, for Mm -hmm. example. So because Venus is so connected to those, that idea of love, but Mm -hmm. also the idea of self-worth or value, I would think that the retrograde could have a lot to do with, especially this retrograde that that goes Aries, Pisces. Yeah. So particularly interesting across the sign boundary. Yeah. um, That you're going from an, I have to do it by myself energy into that immersion, into immersive consciousness, uh, into a kind of emotional union, mm-hmm. other people with the universe. And so this particular Venus retrograde um, asks us to let go of part of the self-identity um, to go into a dissolving process and then come back with a new affirmation of self. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah, going back from the yeah, like going it's it's almost like having to go back into some kind of unconscious symbiotic state in order to reemerge with a different identity. Yeah, that's right. And some of it also has to so, you know, depending where your if your birthday is 
just as Venus is turning retrograde in Aries, oh, yeah. it's not going to mean the same thing as if your birthday is the day that Venus has slipped back into Pisces. Because you're actually asked, you know, those Venuses have very, very different energies. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, we also know that um, just, just as there's the eight-year cycle with the Venus retrogrades, in the solar return, in your birthday cycle, there's an eight-year cycle in the Venus positions. Mm. Uh, your personal Venus-Sun relationship. Right. And so, again, we work on that in a different way uh, when we work on the solar return. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting with people having their solar returns this year during the... Absolutely. The yeah. uh, will, you be, will, will you be doing a lot of that work, then, Shereen? Well, yeah, we're actually, it's um, because I'm doing for the the last seven Project 40s, we're doing each of the seven planets. I wanted to do them in order, but I can't imagine skipping Venus, even if she's, you know, not in order when it's an actual Venus retrograde. So <laughs> the next one will definitely be devoted to the Venus retrograde. Right. Right. So, yeah, because the Venus retrograde is a solar phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, oh, you, you mean know, during this this work? Were you asking me? Sorry, were you asking me about will we be doing the Venus retrograde during the Sun P forty? Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. Um, not so much because I mean it's implied in that the forty days has that whole alchemical Venus. You know, it it ends with the whole the the it, it's the whole journey itself is like a Venus retrograde in a way. So all of the regardless of the themes, it has that underlying experience of a 40 day like even though venus retrogrades aren't exactly 40 days it's it was the inspiration for doing the 40 days in the first place but this actual um 40 days we're actually almost day 20 now is devoted to the sun so it'll it'll come up i think when we get in what we've been doing is exploring the sun through each of the the 12 lenses of the signs yeah so obviously when we do more of the venus signs actually we're it's interesting synchronicity because we're doing Libra now since the moon's in Libra. So we've been exploring that. So fantastic. Yeah. So Venus has come through that way. And then uh, also Taurus, obviously mm. a little while yes. back, but we'll do an actual project 40 devoted to the Venus retrograde starting on oh. the Venus retrograde. <laughs> okay. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Those are always the most powerful. Okay. No doubt. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So, yes, so whenever, um, you know, I always look at those things in solar returns. You know, planets are, you don't have the same relationship with a planet if it's retrograde, uh, but also knowing where it is in the retrograde process, yeah. particularly for Venus and Mercury, makes a big difference. And, you know, it's wonderful that you offer that work to people. Ah, yeah, no, it's, <clears throat> I am I love working with the retrograde planets and, um, I was born with a Venus retrograde, actually, so I really especially identify with that one and understanding, yeah, like how through the, are you talking about through the progress cycles, how, mm, yeah, yeah, how yeah. we become more into consciousness with the planet, I think, yeah, that's, that's amazing, and then also, well, actually, but let me ask you, how do you, in, in your work, like when you, so you said a majority of people probably come to you for the solar returns, Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. Uh, a lot of ongoing clients Honestly, do. Yeah. Uh, but I always tell people to work with their intuition and say, they'll say, when can I come back and work with you? And I'll say, well, just check in with yourself and do it. A lot of people come on their birthday, but just check and see if it's time for you to come back. 
Um, because I work with different people in different ways. Yeah. So some people will come every few months and some people, some people want a session every once in a while, but there is the big annual session and that is the solar return. And we look at not just the solar return, but the transits. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. I know it's interesting how so many people have the sense to come for a reading on their birthday without even realizing realizing there is such a thing as a solar return. They're just like, it's my birthday. I should get an update. Yes. <laughs> uh, you should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should check in with an astrologer. Yeah. And then, and you know, and then there are times where people, you know, what I've noticed is there's clients I've maybe worked with for 10 years or something. Yeah. And then suddenly their life changes and something they've always wanted happens. And then I don't see them anymore. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's because they're exactly where they want to be yeah. and they just, and they just move with life. And if something were to come up, they would come back. Right. But it is if they came that the work we did together was over a particular process. Uh, yeah. It's kind of, it's like Jungian analysis in that way or an ana analytical process. Yes. Except that, uh, it's, um, Duration and time is very different. Very different. But uh, you're still holding a space if they're coming regular, like pretty regularly to you. It's like there's still yeah. a container, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And and I think even I have a client who comes every few years uh -huh. uh, and he says, I've got all my notes from all our sessions. Oh. And um, it's really important for me to know that you're here, <laughs> yeah. even if I don't come every year. And uh, so, you know, and I'm sure you have this too with yeah. people. Yeah. I love that, yeah. Uh, so, mm. I feel that also with the work I've done with you, that it's so valuable and it's so important that the sessions are recorded because they do have a lot more meaning when you go back often and look at them in a series. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, there's that that sense that as you move forward, you yeah, you other things start to emerge. The work has depth in it, and you know also the process. I mean, working with you, Shireen, is particular because you have done so much depth work on yourself, and your request is to go deeper. And sometimes people think astrology is just about the astrologer telling them what's going to happen. Yes. And, of course, yes. you know, some people are interested in that. And But the interesting, I think the fascinating part of this work is that as we do it, what what will happen emerges out of the deep work, but yeah. it's not necessarily the goal of the work. It's, uh, <laughs> right. I hope people listening understand that. Right. That's no. That's a very important point. I'm glad you you're reiterating that because it's true. And I think you know always to remember to it sometimes seems obvious to us, but because we're doing this work all the time, but to always remind the client that it's it is an interactive process. I mean, meaning like to the level that you were conscious, there is more free, free will, um, with what we're giving them. I mean, some things obviously, I mean, Vedic astrologers would probably argue many karmas are very entrenched and things feel more faded. But I think with our work, the point is to try to illuminate the areas that feel more unconscious so that by bringing them to consciousness, there's more options and there's, there's yes. less freedom. Well, I have a story about that. Okay. I, I, I um, had a Vedic astrology friend from Denmark, and he came to Paris, and he invited 12 astrologers to dinner. And he said it's because of the 
the dasha he was in, he needed to do a remedy. And the remedy was to take uh, 12 Brahmins to dinner on the banks of the Ganges. Wow. And so he took 12 astrologers to dinner on the banks of the Sen. And so, you know, so even Vedic astrology has ways of saying, yeah. there are things that you can do, you can offer a gift. Yes. And offer a gift to your own, a, a gift of repair. The repair comes through generosity. It comes through honoring uh, people who have a spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. It comes from uh, honoring people who have a dharmic life, let's say. Yeah. And uh, if you are generous with those people, it helps repair or loosen the karma that's ripening in that period. Mm-hmm. And I think... and. So I think even from a Vedic perspective, you there are things that you can do, the remedies or the actions you can take. Um, they're very similar to the illumination of consciousness that you're talking about. Yeah. If, if suddenly you become aware that um, you've spent a life being kind of mean-spirited and penny-pinching without really intending to do it, yeah. what's the remedy? As you start to work on that, how do you work through it? What are the choices you begin to make? For example? Right. Oh, that's a beautiful. Uh, that's a beautiful story, and and I can see the the connection. Although, then, what do you say about the remedies that are just like, well, wear this stone? <laughs> well, um, well, I don't know if you wear the stone. You know, there's two things. Buying the stone kind of always satisfies the inquisitive part of your nature. But it also does resonate with your need for beauty. And sometimes stones are quite expensive. So you you say, I am willing to invest in ah, this. Yeah, that's a good way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it really depends how you do it. You know, yeah, I, the intention. Mm. in some of the work I've done... Um, more recently, particularly um, when I was working in chart with the Wisdom School, we did a lot of ritual. Mm-hmm. And ritual ritual consciousness, which has an intention, even though it's, you know, you're going through emotion and you're saying, this is this act. And, of course, there's nothing. It's a magical event. It's a ritual event. It's not real in some ways, but it's real in the life of the imagination. Yes. And... So getting a stone is real in the life of the imagination. Yeah. It's it's you're looking at that imaginative act every day on your finger. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That it's it's involving the imagination. Then then yeah. I see the I do see the correlation then with the way we work. Yeah, I like that. And and even if people don't see that, um, it, nonetheless they sometimes. Um, resonate to it they feel they'll look at it they'll look at it it will work on them you know there's a kind of visual feel that you have from certain things or you know um so you know you can invent your own way of doing this that satisfies your own imagination and that suits the archetypes you carry in your chart and um Hmm. so the solar return brings us back to that you know you're talking about the sun, you know, yeah. how each sun sign takes in the universe. Yeah. Um, you know, each sun sign has a preference for color or mutedness or brilliance or subtlety. Uh, and all of that's part of the imagination of the self. Yeah. And very often we don't think about it. It's so automatic in people. And mm. I'll say, 
you know, I've never seen you in any color other than black. What's that about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Are you talking about me, Lynn? <laughs> no, no, I was I'm joking. Because I'm wearing black right now. I'm always wearing black. <laughs> I, I. <laughs> we have a non-black motif, you know, salt, you know, jewels, and yeah. something else going on. But, but sometimes if you do... You know, and that is that that expression of self has something to do with the express expression of the imagined self. Yes, and you know, it might not mean the same for you as it does for an, another client of mine. I'm thinking of who she's like. I keep trying not to wear black, but I can't manage it. But she <laughs> she's an Aries, so. You, <laughs> normally expect that it's something else in her character right well Uh, oh yeah go ahead oh no I was just gonna say and you know thinking of the planets as the gods you know or like you know this kind of expression I was thinking of the Carolyn Casey uh her famous quote about you know make an altar to the god that's oppressing you right so the idea of like the stone could be the altar the, you know that's that's true it very well maybe and and speaking of Carolyn Carolyn is is her her imaginative self is purple her oh, hair is oh, purple, yes. so it's purple. <laughs> so true her, her, is, <laughs> her goddess Neptune right okay so uh if you if you uh and so that's the way she 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 identifies herself as a manifestation of that particular um, resonance, planetary resonance. Love that. Mm. I wonder uh, if a lot of the people with the bright colored hair have the strong Neptune that like to dye the hair pink and purple. And it's, well, it's an it, interesting trend since Neptune went into Pisces. It's become very strong. This colored hair. That is true. Um, I was just thinking of someone I know who does that, and I don't. I'm trying to think if she's, you know, she's young. That's the main criteria for yeah. doing that. But I've seen her hair in several different colors recently. I'm just thinking about that. I Yeah, I'd say in her case it's more fifth house. Uh-huh. More more like a manifestation of fifth house planets like changing your costume. Ah, the costumes, yes. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Like costume, almost like the Philip Pullman novel, you know, where people's diamonds keep changing until they hit puberty, oh. and it's a fixed animal diamond, oh. whether it's a tiger or a monkey or a dog or whatever it is, is yeah. until then it changes a lot. So I tend to think of that more as an idea of saying, what would, would it be like to be like this? More as an experimental process of trying on a whole new way of being in a, in a way that's fairly easy to reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, the sun doesn't change, like obviously with the solar return, like the sun doesn't change, but because it's, it's going through all those different, now it has a different relationship to the other planets. It takes on all these different nuances. That's right. It takes yeah. on, it, it actually has access to things that are different every year. Yeah, yeah. So to think and, of that, yeah, I love that. To think of that as like you could put on different costumes if you want or you could experiment. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And sometimes 
you know, say you're born with a Sun-Saturn aspect, a yeah. Sun-Saturn, you're, you will have a Sun-Saturn aspect every seven years. But right. in the air, so, so that'll be reinforced. Yes. Like a regular beat. You know, that seven-year beat Sun-Saturn will pop up again because we know that the Saturn cycle is um, four times seven, essentially, as you know, as you wrote about in your book on Saturn Returns, um, being a Saturn sister. A Saturn sister, Uh, yes. (laughs) In those years, for someone who has those aspects, in those years where Saturn's not in that territory, there's an, there's sometimes an opportunity to, to contact an, a, a much freer energy, much lighter, to step out of a restraint to self that seems to be innate mm-hmm. on Earth. But there are times when it's looser. Mm. And so the solar return really works in that way of like getting someone to loosen in some areas and tighten at other moments you know it shows that pattern um quite strongly i love that and how when people ask you how is that different from the ongoing transits like which would have a like i don't know if you, i don't want to put it so black and white like which would have a stronger impact but how do you when you're doing the solar return obviously you're looking also at the transits for the well the, the thing is is as far as the sun is concerned, yeah. any major transit to the sun will also be an aspect to the sun in the solar return. But that's not true of the moon, of Mars, of Venus, of the other planets. Right. So when you're talking about the sun, yes, the transits show up. If you're having a sun-Pluto transit, you'll, you'll have 10 years of solar returns with sun-Pluto. <laughs> right, right. But transit is much more specific in a certain point of that. But the solar return, in a way, is showing you kind of the energetic as you move into it and move out of it. It's showing you all the resonance pattern that continues before and after the transit. And sometimes it shows shows it reactivated because other personal planets are involved on the, in the solar return, even when the transit's not active. Mm, the resonance pattern, I love that. And mm. in general, I mean, it would be wonderful to just kind of get your take on what, how you view the sun as an archetype. Mm. Maybe it's the one we take for granted so much with all of the sun sign astrology. Uh, yeah, we do. T- we take it for granted, and I think that um, it's quite mysterious mm. in many ways. It's you know the sun is too bright to look directly into. Yeah. Um, so it's not. So we create this false picture of the sun just the way we often create false versions of ourselves, you know, airbrushed versions of ourselves, I <laughs> yeah. suppose. But what's available to the solar power, to the sun in any chart, is always much, much more powerful than we imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sun has that kind of generativity that, well, maybe that's not, but that this creative power, this vital power. And sometimes you contact that at the moment of major transits because the solar energy steps up. Uh, and it's like, I will be. I am. Mm, no. mm-hmm. um, yeah. There's more in me to this. Uh, I am yeah. more, so much more than this. Yes. And that feeling, which is so strong in people, um, you know, I was um, I was reading something in preparation for my seminar about uh, 
you know, how the soul was seen as tripartite by uh, Marsilio Ficino, mm. for example. Mm-hmm. The, the idea that the soul was made up partly of body, mm-hmm. partly of spirit, and partly of imagination. Mm. And mm-hmm. if you're going to talk about the sun, yeah. that uh, that word spirit is in there with the sun. Yeah some kind of internal fire that we carry within us, an internal light Mm. that we carry within us that really can't be put out no matter what happens. Mm. Mm. And so I think of the sun in that way. I love that. It's beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. Well, you know, I was thinking a lot about um, Jung and being a Leo son and his whole, you know, so much of his work being directed about the self so that's the word that came to me is like the capital s self like mm. this this circular container of all of uh, of this process of becoming of individuation like the sun having to be the in, in a way the the carrier of that mm. process somehow i i don't know this is just what i what i've been kind of sitting with through the 40 days i mean that's one of the questions on the altar for the 40 days for me is what is the sun and what is it? Right. Yeah. And being born under a 12th house son, <laughs> my son is very elusive to me. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, you know, that idea that the son is the self, you know, when I moved to France, people were like, the son's not the self, the son's the ego, <laughs> nonsense. And, it, you know, I, it was, it was very shocking to me because <laughs> anyways, I thought about it that way, but I love, you know, in the whole alchemical process, the sun, of course, is gold. Yes. And the goal of the process is to produce gold. Mm-hmm. So that, and which is something that can never be altered, that always keeps its own nature. Yeah. And so that connection to the self with the big S, it seems to me that has to be a big piece of the way we look at it. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. I love. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me about the gold. Beautiful image gold. too. The gold, even though we have, you know, well, anyway, <laughs> we have all, all kinds of gold in the world at the moment. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I feel yeah. It's it's you know, and and then also obviously like all the time I've spent in India, I, I have that influence of the relationship with the sun, which is so much about Surya and this it's this deity that you worship every morning when you when you wake up at sunrise it's like first thing you it's imperative that you worship this energy to remind you of the vital life force within like nothing can happen without that energy yeah i i I love that moment i my office faces east and particularly at this time of year i when i get up i watch the sun rise almost every day uh, because it rises very late in paris you know we're quite far north so it's it's still like not up there until about eight or eight wow up above the horizon it really takes a long time (laughs) i need that so i can catch the sunrise (laughs) unless i'm in india i don't get up that early (laughs) yeah yeah, but it it um, and it's a very powerful process to watch the light come back into the world every oh, yeah. day. Yeah. Um, so I understand that completely. Well, and they say, oh, wait, hold on, let me just pause. You're watching sunrise and the bird. You know, you're you're listening to the birds as 
as the sky gets bright yes. and then the sun finally comes. I mean, it's a very, it's so powerful it's to watch so that. It's so powerful, so magical. Mm. I love sunsets also. I love, I mean, it's that's such a beautiful ritual, the combination of the watching the sunrise and the sunset mm. every mm. day, like as a reminder of this, the cyclical process of birth and, and death, really. Uh, and I think someone wrote, a novel once about what happened if the sun never rose again. Oh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> that kind of That's one so of those tragic. weird apocalyptic yeah. novels, like suddenly the sun stopped coming back. Oh. And then, you know, you don't understand time. You don't understand that there isn't anything. There's this unending darkness Oof. that takes Oof. over the world. And we, t we really take it for granted. Yeah. For granted, granted yeah. uh, that that will that the light will always return, and as long as we're living on this planet, that will be the case. Even if the light is sometimes a little bit pale and struggling to get through the pollution, or uh, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> global Which, warming, too much, too much world. heat. Well, mm. and you know, it's interesting. I was thinking also how one of the prescriptions for depression is to wake up at sunrise to watch the sunrise oh my god something just went on in my computer sorry about that. <laughs> okay. we must so be having in the last 10 minutes there must be some kind yes. of interference going on yes oh yes one of the prescriptions for depression is to wake up at sunrise and and another thing um which makes me think of another thing because the sun and saturn are natural antagonists yes oh that's a good point and and if you, one of the traditional, actually, medical remedies for arthritis was to take a tincture of gold. Mm. Mm. And it's still given in juvenile arthritis. Ooh. Yeah, and there's some homeopathic, actually, um, I forgot the name of the remedy off the top of my head, but there's a homeopathic remedy that is some, it's definitely with the vibration of the sun and to help also with circulatory and arthritic conditions to depression right it's that whole idea that the opposition between the cold and the dry yes. and the, the and then the hot the yes. heat and the energetic um but if you um uh you gold injections are given to people with arthritis wow that's amazing yeah yeah, that's something pretty extraordinary. That is extraordinary. And just even the, the power, you know, also I'm, I've been, we've been talking about this in the 40 days, how so many people are vitamin D deficient these days. It's right. one of the most common deficiencies. Yes, I take my vitamin D all. <laughs> you do. <laughs> right, because well, I think because we're all putting sunscreen on, we're not getting the... Yeah, the rays but of the sun. even that, it has nothing to do with sunscreen in the in northern Europe because we're really at a high latitude. Oh, of a certain degree of latitude, it's impossible to get enough vitamin D from sunshine. Okay, okay, sunscreen. wow, yeah, in the winter, in the winter, yeah, we yeah, just have it light, right, mm. right. Also, and the other people that do the light therapy for the what is that called? Seasonal affective disorder for the yeah, yeah. Well, it's so interesting how the sun is implicated in all of these treatments or the light. Right. And, and, and also I love the connection of, you know, the organ of light is the eye, of course. <gasps> right. And so the eye, the, your eyes um, also are the 
or at least one of your eyes is the symbol of the sun in the body, mm-hmm. along with the heart. Mm-hmm. So, so you have that vision. The heart is obvious because it's the center and it's generating. You know, it, it's the source of all the blood pumping through your system, but the eye takes in the light and allows it to be interpreted in a way. Mm. So, mm. Uh, that's beautiful. That's, a, that's maybe a beautiful note to end on for this discussion on the sun. What do you, do you have any last parting words you want to share? Well, if people are interested in my work, they yeah. can um, go to my website at uh, www.linbellastrology.com and um, I'll find my email address and lectures. Yeah, I'll put, definitely put all the links with this uh, with this podcast Great. for sure. Great. And yes, I, I highly recommend getting a reading with you and I always recommend you. Um, and um, if, if people are in Paris, when you're there, they can see you. And you're going to be in New York... Um, uh, February 9th uh, till the 15th. To it's the a 15th. quick visit. Quick visit. Uh, but I'm on my way to a conference in Baltimore. And so I'll be in New York for a while uh, connecting with people and uh, doing some readings and things Great. like that. And do you know when you'll be back in California? Not yet. Not yet. Perhaps <laughs> at the end of the year, but um, uh, nothing's fixed yet. Ah, okay. Well, keep me posted. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Lynn, for being on the show. And next week, we'll be featuring an interview with Kari Field, also known as Anandashri Astrology. She's a Vedic astrologer also here in San Francisco. And we'll be discussing the fact that Saturn will be in Sagittarius soon in both zodiacs and what that means. And also some of the highlights of the upcoming new moon on the 27th. So please stay tuned. And thank you so much for listening.